Oh, howdy ho, officer. We've had a doozy of a day. There we were minding our own business, just doing some chores around the house when kids started killing themselves all over my property. Well, were they psychos? Or... They look like psychos? Is that what they look like? They were vampires. Psychos do not explode when sunlight hits them. I don't give a fuck how crazy they are. So 1,100 men went in the war. 316 men come out. The sharks took the rest June the 29th, 1945. Well, what do we do? Why don't we just wait here for a little while? See what happens. Welcome to the Death Rattle Horror Podcast. We are your mavens of the macabre, hostesses of horror, your darlings of darkness, and we're here to guide you into the depths. Uh, today's episode is going to be about female horror directors. Um, so Jason Blum, in case you're listening, they do exist, and also you suck. <laughs> they do exist, and many of their movies are better than yours, my friend. <laughs> True that. <laughs> So do you want to, since you've probably got someone earlier than me chronologically, did you want to go first? Sure, yeah. Hi guys, cool. this is Lola. Myself and Kate Elling, in case you can't recognize our voices by now, though you should. <laughs> you should have them um, committed to memory, please. Yes, memorized. So uh, Kate or somebody else told me that this month is Women in Horror Month. So we decided to celebrate by discussing our favorite female directors and, you know, alternately favorite movies by female directors. Basically, you know, six in one hand, half dozen in the other. <laughs> that was like, I am an old person. That was an old person phrase. <laughs> well, and also like, you can't really ask a bunch of like film buffs to like pick a favorite director. Yeah, it's very tough. I was trying to make a list the other day of my favorite directors and I was like, I can't even do that. I just have to do like favorite movies. Mm -hmm. All right, so the first one I'm gonna list is actually not that not that old. It's from 1992 and it is Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> <laughs> good, good, good I, place I, to start. I was actually shocked when I uh, came across that. I didn't realize it was directed by a woman, a woman named Fran Rubel Kazooie who only did like a couple movies, none that I've ever heard of other than this. And I believe that Joss Whedon actually wrote this, but then um, a woman directed it, which is really cool. And it's not exactly a true horror film, but it's a horror comedy. And it was one of my all time favorite movies when I was a little kid. I've seen it like 50 times at least. And although it doesn't really hold up that well it's very dated um it's super goofy like army of darkness type slapstick type humor it's not like it's not super clever it's not very deep but it's a lot of fun especially if you've got a couple beers in you <laughs> um <laughs> and i think that uh i don't know the fact that there's a woman director i mean it the whole movie definitely has a like 
this chick is kick-ass vibe, obviously, which continued on into the series. Um, it's interesting because the the watcher in that movie, have you seen it actually? Uh, I've seen bits. I've seen the TV show more times than I should probably publicly admit. <laughs> um, and I've seen, Me too. <laughs> I've seen bits of the movie. Okay, here's a weird, weird connection I made one time. So, um, the mom in the Buffy TV show mm -hmm. is played by Christine Sutherland, who gave herself that last name after her cat, which she named after Donald Sutherland. And in the original movie, The Watcher is played by Donald Sutherland. <laughs> I was like, that's a random connection. And I... I don't remember anything I learned in college, but I remember that. <laughs> I didn't know that. I I just assumed, because I never looked into it, I assumed that they were related. So that's hilarious that she just picked the last name Sutherland. I know. I I thought that she was like his daughter or something, but no, not related at all. They don't know each other. <laughs> hmm. But yeah, so that's, that's the first one I came across that I was like, oh man, I just love this movie, even though it's kind of terrible, but... It's got a great cast. It's got, you know, Christy Swanson, who pretty much nobody remembers from the 90s, but she was like the it girl for like 20 seconds in the 90s. And the music is so incredibly early 90s, it hurts, but it's fantastic. Um, and it's got Rutger Hauer in it. Which and it's got Rutger Hauer. Is and unbelievable. It's got... <laughs> it's got Paul Rubens as the like <laughs> ultimate vampire and yep. he dies like the most hilarious death ever <laughs> and it's got um David Arquette um Luke Perry who is looking at his finest in this movie um that's pretty much all the people I can think of that I remember but it's got a lot of really like recognizable people in it that you'll see and you're like oh yeah that guy or that chick but you know Nobody and that really has a career now. <laughs> it, well, and it's got three weird cameos. Um, oh, yes. Ben Affleck is basketball player number 10. Mm. <laughs> uh, I think I did know that. Yeah, Ricky Lake is in it. And Seth oh, Green yeah. is in it for like five seconds as what? a vampire. Yeah. Oh, and my then God. later on, he would be Oz in the show. But, I did not uh, know that. That's so weird. It's it's such a weird movie tone. Not like the show isn't weird at all. And the show has its own <laughs> issues. We don't need, I don't need to start on Joss Whedon's brand of feminism or we'll be here all night. Um, right. But uh, yeah, it's like, it's it's such an odd film. And it's one of those films that is, it couldn't have been made at another time because it's so quintessentially like a 19... 92 movie like you've yeah. seen you've seen idle hands right yes yes yeah idle hands is one of those and again i love a horror comedy so me but, too like idle hands could not have been made i don't know like even like a year earlier like a year later like right it's just, yeah yeah it's, it's it's exactly the year that it's from right i don't even know what year that is but i'm guessing it's around like 2003 or 4 maybe a little earlier I thought it was 90... Yeah, it's 1999. Okay. Yeah, yeah it's, it's like... Devin Sawa back when yeah. he did uh, <laughs> horror movies. That was like his last relevant movie, I think. <laughs> and then I... he like fell into obscurity. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, no, I totally agree with you. It's 
1992, and it if you like love the show, which I love the show, but I loved the movie first, they could not be more different. Um, it like the movie does not take itself seriously at all. It's just like totally goofy, um, and it's not really scary remotely. You know, when it came out in '92, that's when I was in love with it. I was like, what, eight years old. And it did not scare me at all. I just thought it was hilarious. Um, it's kind of, you know, kind of in retrospect, a perverted movie for an <laughs> eight-year-old girl to be watching repeatedly. But um, yeah, it's just really goofy. It's over-the-top goofy. And the show obviously has, you know, it takes itself a bit more seriously. And you have a lot more of an emotional connection to the characters. Yes, this is not and- a serious movie at all. No. And it's funny because I remember very, very clearly seeing that there was going to be a show coming out. I saw like an ad in a magazine and I was, um, you know, what year was that? The 98, 7, 97? I was like 12 or 13 and I was like so excited, but I was like kind of pissed that Christy Swanson wasn't going to be starring in it because, <laughs> you know, by that time she was probably in her 30s already. And I was like, well, fine, I guess I'll just watch it anyways. And me and my dad watched the uh, the original first episode together, and we both were, like, so into it, like, immediately. And I was like, okay, I guess I can do without Christy Swanson. <laughs> I didn't watch Buffy until, like, 2013. I think it was Whoa. the first time I watched it. Yeah, I didn't That's watch, crazy. I didn't watch a lot of TV growing up, and I didn't really get into movies or TV until uh, until I was about 20. Um, oh, wow. So 2010. Uh, not that I should give away how old I am, but whatever. Um, <laughs> so old. <laughs> uh, well, I am turning 30 this year. So. Oh, my God. I'm turning 35, my friend. Oh, it's uh, it it, hurts. it, just, it feels <laughs> significant, but it also feels like I should have my shit way more together than I do. But anyway, um, yeah, I watched the show super late, but I have a I have a real soft spot for it. I you know it's I watched the whole thing. I didn't watch the whole thing till I was probably twenty two, and then I watched the whole thing again when I was about thirty two, and the difference between how I looked at it in those ten years was like. Uh, it was like totally I looked at it in a whole new light um you know the first time around I was like David Boreans is hot as hell second time around I was like Angel is kind of a shitty dude and Giles is like crazy hot oh I know (laughs) yeah Um, it was like uh, my taste completely changed the other day I was actually looking through my Facebook memories and a couple years ago I guess I was watching Angel for the first time and there's a bit where Wesley and Cordelia act out being Buffy and Angel. And he's like, oh, Buffy, I love you so much. I almost forgot to brood. <laughs> <laughs> and it always makes me laugh because Angel is just, what is, Spike calls him Captain Forehead at one point or something. <laughs> and that's all I can see. Um, but yeah, no, I, Anthony Stewart head all the way. Yeah, he's still hot. He's like oh God, getting yeah. hotter. <laughs> he's ripening, as I like to say. That is a lovely term. Anyways, I think we've had, like, harped on about hot men long enough. What would you like to say is your first movie? Well, when you or said person? 
When you said that you were surprised that Buffy the Vampire Slayer had been directed by a woman, um, I'm going to talk about my favorite horror film that I was surprised was directed by a woman, um, which I shouldn't be, but that's American Psycho. Yes. um, Directed by Mary Heron. And I, for some reason, it's one of those things that comes up all the time that, did you know American Psycho was directed by a woman? And every time I forget because uh-huh. it, because Brett Easton Ellis, his writing and the film are so quintessentially masculine uh-huh. to me. But but much like Fight Club, um, it's one of those movies that's about masculinity in a in a very critical way. But yeah. superficially seems like it superficially seems like it's celebrating two very different facets of masculinity. But I think you know if you take i don't know even a couple seconds to look at it critically it's definitely not celebrating it in any way shape or form so yeah yeah american psycho i can't imagine anyone listening to this who hasn't seen it but just in case you haven't i know american psycho year 2000 um and it's about uh patrick bateman an executive played by tom cruise by way of christian bale (laughs) and uh he's too accurate (laughs) I well, that's that's what he said. He based the smile on. He said, "Yeah, I, I said I read that somewhere." Yeah, he said, "I wanted I wanted that Tom Cruise smile where it's the big smile with the completely dead eyes." Yeah, and uh, and it's freaky because that's exactly what he does in the movie. Also, every time I do like a face peel off mask, I look in the mirror <laughs> and I like <laughs> peel off the mask, <laughs> uh, and then I'm then I start singing Talking Heads, and then I'm like. By God, I'm interesting. I spend too much time by myself. Um, So, yeah, but American Psycho, um, because it's such an... Again, it's one of those... It's a movie that is about a time, but it's more timeless than something like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where it's just... Uh, the movie is a product of the time in which it's made. American Psycho is very self-consciously about 90s yuppie culture. And I think that I think the film did such an excellent job with that, creating so many iconic shots and and reproducing um, uh, like a, the film did such a good job at making the shots look like advertisements and making right. the iconic shots. You think is that a shot from another movie or is it a shot from an ad? Like, is it something that I'm half remembering? But it isn't, but the film was just so good at capturing that commercial stylized look. Um, And uh, I think Mary Heron did a great job with that and did a great job at um, simultaneously making a very upsetting film, but also toning it down from the book because the book is yeah yeah, the book is super gory and the film manages to be just as unsettling but without explicitly stating a lot of it yeah yeah it doesn't show a lot like it you kind of see things like you see like a bloody body under a blanket like you don't see the actual body Mm -hmm. um it, it was very uh it was definitely much subtler than the book which was Possibly the most disturbing book I've ever read. <laughs> At least that one scene, which I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Yep. <laughs> um, Brad Easton Ellis has like 10 screws loose. I don't know where he comes up with that, but it was a, a, a unnerving book. And the movie was 
much easier to digest. And um, I think the movie actually even did a better job of kind of showing the themes of the book uh, because it's sort of like, you know, visually necessary to show like all the materialism and um, just the total narcissism and things like that. Um, I actually had no idea it was directed by a woman either until I researched it for this episode and was like, weird. But like you said, it's critical of that type of masculinity. Whereas, you know, for example, you could say just because a movie has a misogynistic character doesn't mean the movie is misogynistic, um, kind of in the same way. And yeah, she did a really good job and I don't know I haven't, I don't think I've seen any of her other movies, but that's definitely one of my all-time favorite movies. It's just so bizarre, and it weirded me out the first time I saw it. I wasn't scared, but I was like, this is bizarre, but because it was like the year it came out, and, um, but then when I watched it later, I was like, actually, this movie's hilarious. Okay, that makes sense now. <laughs> She uh she did the notorious Betty Page, which is a re- movie that I remember enjoying, but I don't really remember anything about, other than thinking that Gretchen Maul looked so much like Betty Page and that I was very jealous. Um, and she did uh she did a f- a film on uh, Valerie Solanus, the woman who shot Andy Warhol. Oh okay. Um, so she's done some interesting stuff. She's also Canadian, so you know, wh- big ups here from the Great White North. <laughs> um, she's from nowhere near where I am, but you know, right? <laughs> I'm still gonna claim it. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I think, uh, yeah, I, I think because apparently she co-wrote the screen adaptation of American Psycho as well, and I, I think she did a really good job of. Yeah, of uh, of toning down some. I mean, some of that stuff is just unfilmable too. There's no way that yeah. you could you could right. show that on film. But I mean, I'm I'm thinking. I think one of my favorite shots is when he's picking his suit in the morning, and there's just a girl in a clothing bag, also yeah. hanging from uh, from the uh, in his closet. And I, it's just such a great the way that the film draws such neat lines between like murder and consumerism like the the business card scene the way that the when they when they take out the business cards it's the sound of a sword being unsheathed and yeah just really cool little stuff like that that I think is a bit more subtle than uh than the book maybe was with its parallels um not I'm totally not maligning the book or Brett Easton Ellis's either I'm just I just think it's a it's a great and subtle horror film yeah he's a great writer but you know it says something that I would say that's by far the best adaptation of any of his books out of the three or four that I've seen um there was also less than zero which was kind of just a boring movie and then rules of attraction which was whatever like forgettable but this was just it just stands above those like so far it's crazy Mm -hmm. and I have to I have to think that it has a lot to do with the directing and uh, while we're on the subject of Mary Heron um, she also directed the Alias Grace miniseries that came out last year oh I haven't seen that or know what it is (laughs) it's so good it's um it's it's based on yet another like what up Canada it's based on an actual (laughs) Canadian murder 
case, like a historical murder case. Oh. Um, and uh, but the mini series, it's based on a, on Margaret Atwood's book, so I think oh, that okay. already gives you some idea of it's like deeply feminist and again, very critical of the misogynistic um, concepts um, and the especially about the way that crime was reported and handled historically but uh, I, I can't recommend it highly enough the central performances are so good and it's such an interesting miniseries and I, I can't remember uh, the last time I watched something where the main character the one where you're you're so in their point of view but they are still mysterious to you as a viewer it's mm -hmm. it, 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 she's managed to create an unreliable narrator on screen but without like without out and out tricking us it's very okay. cool um so that yeah i was good i, would I mean i like margaret it. atwood so <laughs> i wrote that on my list of my very long list of things to check out <laughs> so who do you want to do next all right so the next one i came up with is the movie honeymoon directed by Lee Janiak. Have you seen that one? It came out in 2014. Oh, I sure did. Um, and I actually left it off my list, um, even though it was directed by a woman because I hated it so much. Um, really? <laughs> but I didn't, like, not in that I thought it was bad. Um, it's one of those movies. Me and my girlfriend watched it, and I'm pretty sure by the end of it, we were both like, well, um, the scene in the bathroom you know what I'm yeah. talking about. I can't, yeah. I actually can't even think of it without like, I can literally feel myself getting nauseous right now. Like It I, was very uncomfortable. I do not like body horror. And oh, okay. I felt like there wasn't enough in the rest of the film to make me sit through that amount of body horror and feel like, ah, oh, yes, this was an afternoon well spent. <laughs> yeah. It just made me so viscerally uncomfortable. But I don't, I don't really remember... I didn't find the plot that memorable outside of the fact that it was fucking disgusting. <laughs> yeah, well, there was another one that came out around the same time. So for those of you that maybe have seen both, we're talking about the one that has Rose Leslie and Harry Treadaway. Yep. And it's a couple that goes to a like cabin on a lake for their honeymoon. And the basically the girl starts acting super crazy. Um, I thought it was really cool because it used the it used the very as you said visceral body horror as sort of like thematically showing some of the fears when you're like getting married like oh the person i marry might turn into a completely different person or start acting super weird or you know i might find out all this stuff about them that i didn't know before and i think that i think that a lot of men especially and women have fear that when they get together with um, a girl, especially like, or a woman, you know, she might be just pretending to be the cool girl or whatever, and then might eventually reveal herself to be like hysterical or, you know, that kind of thing. There's there's a lot of shitty dudes that have mm -hmm. that idea. Um, so I think it kind of was an interesting play on that idea. Um, because she does start acting super weird and starts acting like a totally different person. And I'm not going to spoil it because the ending was fucking crazy. And it, I had no clue where the movie was going. It was not an enjoyable movie to watch at all because I felt so uncomfortable the whole movie. And the ending was just 
it was pretty dark. Yep. <laughs> it was pretty damn dark. But when I thought back on it, like, just now, uh, today, <laughs> I was like, that was a really well-constructed and actually pretty damn scary movie. Um, it does the job of scaring you, but there's no levity at all. Like, I, too, enjoy horror comedies, and I enjoy even dark horror films that have some levity. There's none there. So you got to really know that you're, like, you got to be in the right mood. <laughs> like... This might not be an enjoyable movie, but, you know, it's going to give you that creepy, crawly, uncomfortable feeling that you might be in the mood for. And it's intensely well done body horror. It is. It is. It's so realistic. And, yeah, it makes you, it makes you uncomfortable, like, beyond belief. <laughs> My uterus hurts just thinking about it. <laughs> I, I know. It was, it was disturbing. And it's, it's cool because it's also a little bit of a... A mystery like because you're watching it and you really you know kind of have no idea where the movie's going like is there some sort of possession or is this girl actually just crazy or what is the deal and then when you get to the end it's very very unpredictable and I'm just gonna say it now there's not a happy ending uh, the, like, last five seconds of the movie, like, really stuck in my head for a long time after I watched it. Yep. It's some dark shit. It is. But yeah, um, watch it. Watch it with your loved one tonight. <laughs> <laughs> it's a perfect date night movie. Especially for newlyweds. <laughs> <laughs> um, what you said, uh, just to go off on a tangent, as I want to do. Sure. Um, the, what you said, though, about it it being uh it representing our fear of like do how how much do you know the person that you're married to you saw annihilation right yes okay so first of all i loved it but second of all i was talking to my best friend heidi about it and and heidi part of the reason i love her so much is that she will bring up things i love talking about movies obviously and i love watching movies with my friends and talking about them um Mm -hmm. but she'll always bring up something that i've never thought of um, for instance, we watched A Knight's Tale and then constructed an elaborate theory about how A Knight's Tale was a high school comedy transported back to the Middle Ages. Um, yeah. <laughs> it was it a was good time. But she talked about Annihilation as, for her, being representative of um, our fears about marriage and about um, personal compromise and identity. Like, all sorts of stuff that I... Because I just... I was... The first time I saw it, I was so blown away by the sci-fi aspect of it, which I thought was intensely revolutionary and just amazing and beautiful. That I it was, really, it was. I hadn't really thought about it on a metaphorical level, but she was talking about how, like, her husband goes away and comes back, but he's not who she remembers, you know? And then there's the whole thing with, like, her having the affair and stuff, and... Um, yeah, it was. Just, I'll, you know, one of these days, I'll uh, I'll bring Heidi on here, and she can she can yeah. talk more about it. But um, it was. Really I, I cool. can totally see that. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I kind of had started to think about the like, how well do you really know yourself, like self identity thing, uh, because of the very end. But um, hadn't really, I guess, thought too deeply about it because, like you, I was just totally transfixed by the visuals and like, um, the really like uncomfortable another uncomfortable ending (laughs) yes like gave me like the kind of like creepy crawlies like chills like oh my you know (laughs) but 
yeah, that's totally makes a lot of sense. I could see that. It's based on a book, which I haven't read, but I hear it's that based it's good. On a, it's based on a trilogy, actually. It's based on the first book of a trilogy called the Southern oh. Reach Trilogy. Okay. Uh, we uh, we don't currently have any sponsors, but the Southern Reach Trilogy is on Audible if anybody wants to go <laughs> check us out. And Audible, if you're listening, we like money. So... <laughs> we do. Uh, they they also have Alias Grace, the book, on Audible. Oh, okay. So... <laughs> All right, then, Audible, get at us. Get at us, boo. Hit us up, Audible. (laughs) All right, I think it's your turn. (laughs) All right, cool. So um, I'm kind of stuck on who to bring up next. So um, not that I – it's that I have too many options, not that I have too few. So I think I'm just going to touch on – a couple that I don't really want to do like a deep dive into, but I just sure. want to, I just want to bring up that they exist. Um, okay. So the first one is Antonia Bird. Uh, she directed uh, one of my girlfriend's other favorite movies, Ravenous. Ah, um, yes. Uh, a fun cannibalistic romp. So um, fun. <laughs> and uh, my, for some reason, the biggest thing that sticks in my head about that movie was that apparently when they were filming the climactic sequences they ran out of fake blood so and, <laughs> i'm not surprised and literally had to send someone to the store to go buy fake blood which wow. i love um but yeah that's a that's a fun movie a, a strange movie and another movie that you wouldn't really think of as being directed by a woman although like what kind of movie do you expect to be directed by a woman like that's a whole other question but it's just a movie that when i watched it i i didn't particularly think that it had like a female point of view or anything really yeah pretty much all the characters are male too so that's probably part of it um and it is a very sort of it's got a lot of masculinity in it (laughs) it certainly does it certainly does for those of you who don't uh entirely know what we're talking about ravenous is a movie oh god i'd have to look it up because i'm bad came out in like 2000 uh it was 1999 oh fuck Okay, it starts Guy Pierce. <laughs> yep. And uh, yeah, there's some people like to eat people and stuff happens and it's really cool. <laughs> yes, it's a very interesting historical film. Yes. Um, and uh, it's, Wikipedia calls it a Western black comedy horror suspense, which I think, yeah, <laughs> that pretty is much a encapsulates. Lot of, that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's got Guy Pierce and Robert Carlyle, who just knocks it out of the park. And mm-hmm. the score is by Michael Nyman, which, again, it's such a, it's such a strange movie. It's, it's, it's weird. Like, it's a weird movie. The script is weird. The story is weird. Um, and the people involved in it are weird. But the, like, <laughs> the, the totality of it is a very interesting film. And it's about... Uh, cannibalism in uh, you know like during like the er, er, well not early but like it's apparently 1840s but it's definitely about frontier life and uh, it takes aspects of like the Donner Party and stuff and it's um, yeah it's uh, it's cool stuff if you like historical horror which I do I feel like there aren't enough historical horror films if you like black comedy if you like weird movies if you like movies about cannibalism then uh it's something that I would recommend. Yeah, um, it's kind of like uh, Cannibal the Musical, but totally serious. <laughs> <laughs> um, another uh, weird movie, if you like weird movies, uh, mm-hmm. is Alice Lowe's Prevenge. That's on my list. I love that movie. 
Thank you. I yes. I got into a in the Facebook group that that we met on. I got into a talk with somebody who was not a fan of it at all. Um, and I just I really I love Alice Lowe. Alice. So uh, the movie Prevenge came out in two thousand sixteen. Alice Lowe is a very recognizable British actress. She was in uh, one of my favorite directors, Ben Wheatley. He did a film called Sightseers, which is a hysterical black comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've seen that one too. Yeah, and she's one of the stars of it. And uh, she did this movie. Uh, she wrote it and directed it and starred in it when she was nine months pregnant because she was like, well, there aren't any roles for pregnant women. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to have to write myself so one. <laughs> I'm just going to make one up. And uh, Prevenge is the story of a woman who is pregnant and whose fetus is telling her to kill people. And it's hilarious and frightening especially if you're as terrified of being pregnant as I am (laughs) I it's a huge fear of mine I Um, am also just as scared of pregnancy as you are probably yep it freaks me out Uh, so uh yeah that that, that's a very like um it's it's a good it's a good movie and definitely a movie that you know more so is you know a female writer and director and star very much putting her own personal fears on display mm-hmm. um, which always makes for a really interesting film so Prevenge is, is a female directed movie that I would I, I guess if we have to classify movies as being you know os- like ostensibly more female directed like it's very <laughs> female point of view oriented yes. yeah sorry I realized I said female directed but I meant a movie that's directed at women as opposed to a movie directed I gotcha. by women that makes sense I understood I'm it's, catching it it's uh it's both it's directed in all ways to the fairer sex yes I uh I think it just takes like the the fear a lot of women have about how pregnancy is going to change them and how motherhood is going to affect their life like to the extreme <laughs> And yeah, it's funny as hell, but it's so very British. It's pretty dry Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it's dryly funny, but it's also pretty creepy. Um, I found myself like laughing a lot more watching it than probably most people would. (laughs) (laughs) But I just thought it was, she did such a good job. Um, And it's also somewhat of a a little bit of a mystery because you're like, you know, why is she killing these random people? And then you, you know, start to figure it out as the movie goes on. Um, but yeah, really good, really good movie. It's probably the most female oriented, female directed movie uh, on our lists. Uh, yeah, I definitely, I have a, the, the rest of the ones that I want to talk about are definitely female, like female oriented. So, mm-hmm. um, did you wanna did you wanna jump in with another one? Sure, I've got one. Let me look here. Okay, the last one that I had because I had like three crossovers with you is called Always Shine, and it's directed by. Oh, actually, I wanted to mention Honeymoon, the director Lee Janiak. She has that was her first movie, and she hasn't done any other. Uh, big screen movies, but she's going to be doing a movie uh, based on Fear Street. (laughs) Really? Yes. So I'm very excited because I devoured those books when I was a child. (laughs) But okay, so 
The next one is Always Shine. The director is named Sophia Tikal. And I don't know, have you seen that movie? I have not. It's a kind of, it's a pretty, uh, it's lesser known for sure. It's definitely an indie movie. It's got, um, did you see Tolly? <laughs> no, I didn't. Okay, well, it's it's got that, uh, I can't even think of her name right now, but it's the girl that is like the babysitter in Tolly, and she's in um, Black Mirror, and she's, I think she's British, but it's her and a friend, and they're both playing actresses that are kind of like frenemies, um, but they're like getting together to like hang out, and like there's basically hang out at this sort of sort of cabin in the woods, but it's near some like restaurants and stuff. So I think they're just kind of going out of town, staying at this place. And um, so they're both, you know, about the same age, about, you know, same level of attractiveness. And um, they've always had kind of this relationship to each other where they're, you know, they're friends, but they're also envious of each other's successes and acting. And um, it's basically like when that kind of relationship gets to the breaking point. And so it's a really, it's a really talky and it's a really sort of psychological horror film because it's not very, uh, it's not very visually scary at all. There's just a lot more sort of them butting heads and like tensions are rising and rising and rising. And, and then it, you know, just gets to like the breaking point where, you know, something violent happens and it was really well done. Uh, it was a really good looking movie and there's pretty much only two people in the movie in one, uh, one location. And so I thought that for that type of movie, the two actresses did really good. I had never seen either of them before the movie. Um, and the one has gone on to be pretty, pretty famous now. I think this movie came out like, I don't know, six years ago, maybe longer. And I, I can't remember who the other one is. I don't know if she's, you know, become more famous now, but they both just did so good. It really just kind of, that movie kind of like stuck out in my head uh, that year that I watched it as just kind of, you know, above the usual crop of slow sort of mumble core horror movies. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah. Uh, it's, sorry, I'll, uh, I'll have to. I'll have to check it out. I like. I like yeah. the sound of that a lot. Yeah, it's really good. You know, definitely plays on a lot of female fears. Like, you know, um, you're, uh, you know, c competing with your friend. You know, trying to see who's, you know, better, better looking, or you know, getting better parts as an actress. And you know, a lot of. I can't even imagine trying to become an actress and how stressful and horrible you'd feel all the time. But it really just, like, kind of takes that to the breaking point, like, how it can really just mess with you, like, psychologically. It sounds like, um, did you see the movie Queen of Earth with Elizabeth Moss? I did not. Okay, yeah. I, uh, it sounds, it sounds a little similar to that, so I would recommend checking that out. Okay, I'm gonna write it on my list. Cool beans. Yeah, I'm all out of mine, so feel free to... Tell me yours. All right. Well, now we get into the real heavy hitters and some of my faves. Um, <laughs> I just want to give a quick mention to a, a movie that I personally didn't love, but I know that was critically insanely well received. 
and um, that's uh, Anna Lily Am- Amapur's uh, A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, mm-hmm. uh, which is her like Iranian feminist vampire movie. Which yep, the um, usual, <laughs> yeah, you know that particular that old genre. standard. <laughs> <laughs> which um, uh, I personally didn't find. I f- I didn't find it very engaging, but I know that it was really important because um, it is like a a female centric vampire movie, which is unusual. It's a uh-huh. a female centric. I'm I'm gonna double check. I'm gonna say Iranian, um, and I want to make sure right. that I'm. I want to make sure that I'm being correct when I say it. Persian. Oh, no. Oh, okay. Persian and Iranian. Okay, you know what? I'm going to... So, yeah, it was <laughs> it was tagged as the first Iranian vampire Western. And so I'm going to I'm gonna stick with Iranian and really hope that I'm right. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I uh, personally, I didn't I didn't love it. It's beautifully shot. It's it, it's definitely interesting. I don't regret watching it. It's just not something that I, you know would would watch again uh of an evening but um mm-hmm. right but a very yeah. good film and uh and uh clearly a, a culturally very important one i'm the worst yeah. at this <laughs> <laughs> it was culturally relevant and critically loved yeah but i couldn't get into it i i did not make it very far and it was just kind of too slow for me i guess it's uh, it's another one I watched with my girlfriend, and because uh, we watch a lot of horror movies together. And after it, both of us had thought that the other person was really enjoying it. <laughs> so both, uh, so afterwards, we had that awkward like, so that was what interesting. Did you think? <laughs> and we were, and then we admitted that we had both hated it, and then we realized that we had both not enjoyed it, and we were like, well, then why did we watch it? But. <laughs> it's, it's got a great soundtrack it's got cool visuals and uh i don't know check it out maybe maybe you're better than us and maybe you'll like it so it's like uh, the gift of magi of horror movies <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny i yeah it's one of those movies that i'm like i feel like i should watch this at some point but i i tried watching it and did not make it far yeah I, I I don't know. I can't really. I it's. I've tried to give it a second chance, rec- fairly recently actually, because there's a couple songs from the soundtrack I really like and I still listen to, and uh, and I was like, you know what? That scene was pretty interesting. Let's give it another try. And I got like 20 minutes, and I was like, no, <laughs> I just I just can't. And uh, and you know me, I'm I'm a real advocate for the people need to be more appreciative of a slower burn horror movie, but yeah. Yeah. It just didn't, it, I didn't find it engaging in any way. Yeah, um, there's got to be some burn, even if it is slow. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I think our next three are all crossovers, so do you want to pick who we talk about next? Sure, yeah. Let's see here. How about we talk about another one that's, I mean, it's more like a real, it's like a real life horror movie, but it's not like what someone would consider a horror movie which is, we need to talk about Kevin. Yes. Um, I forgot the name of the director, <laughs> but you wrote it down. <laughs> Lynn Ramsey. And I know it's based on a book, which I have not read, but that is a scarifying, oh my God. <laughs> That's a scarifying movie. That is such a scary movie, uh, but not in a traditional horror movie sense, which if you haven't seen it, it's essentially like, it's 
the life of the mom of a school shooter and it's showing her day-to-day life, but then it shows you sort of like flashbacks of the lead up to the events of the school shooting. Well, I guess school violence, we should say. Um, and like sort of how she was raising the son and um, didn't really connect with him. And he was obviously had some problems, emotional problems. And it was so scary. Like it gave me like the creeps because that guy, uh, what's Ezra his name? Miller. Yes. Yes. That guy, he was so flipping good. And, um, he like, he definitely came across like he was just, I believe in real life that he's actually a psychopath because he was so good. And, you know, I love Tilda Swinton. She's a goddess and everything. And, um, who's her husband? John C. Riley. Yeah. I love him. He's always just so good as that, like, sort of hapless husband character. John C. Um, Riley is intensely underrated as a dramatic actor. Is. And I keep He's saying so good. this. And then this year, <laughs> the Sisters Brothers came out. And I was like, thank you. Thank you for doing another excellent movie where John C. Riley can show what a great actor he is. I love him. He's one of those character actors out there that pretty much any time a movie comes out, and he's in it. I've been like, okay, well, I'll give it a shot because he's in it. Because you know he's always entertaining, and some mostly hilarious. But this movie, not so much. But yeah, man, it. Ga- I had no idea really what the whole thing was leading to. But then when it gets to that actual day of violence, it was so. I was so like connected to the Tilda Swinton character that I was like, it was so heartbreaking. I mean, it felt like. I felt really emotionally connected to that movie, even though I have no children. I will never have children. Um, but just because you get to know her character so much and see like the horrible way that people in the town treat her just because her son had done this and you feel so much empathy for her. And then it's just like, it's, it's a heartbreaking movie. <laughs> Uh, and I definitely don't recommend reading it if you ever want children <laughs> or watching it. I, for me, like the, the scene in the gym is pretty horrifying, but for me, what I found to be the scariest part is, is the earlier memories where there's this real tension between like, is he actually, is there something wrong with him or or her fear that there's like something wrong with her that Mm -hmm. she that she can't that she doesn't she's not bonding with him that she doesn't feel attached to him and it's such a i think it's such a a great examination of that maternal fear because you know like for someone who loves true crime as much as i do these men blame their mothers always for the things yes. that they do to women it's always about their mothers and other people do too mhm yeah and uh and so i i can see that there's this fear like as a mother where you're like am i just doing it wrong is there something wrong with me am i being a bad mother what 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 is my failing that i i can't connect with this kid and of course like as kevin gets older you're like he's a psycho Um, yeah 
you know, but still it's not like, it's not like on some level she's going to stop blaming herself. And definitely the film makes it clear that other people are also always going to blame her. It's a, uh, it's difficult being a mother. So yes. the films tell me. That's what they say. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And I, I, I think that it's also sort of like a chicken or the egg thing where it's like, is he a psychopath and therefore she can't connect with him? Or is he a psychopath because she didn't connect with him? Mm -hmm. um, which I think, you know, obviously a lot of people <clears throat> uh, on the true crime scene discuss that a lot. Like, you know, um, did, was this person just going to be a psychopath no matter what? Or did he only become that way because of terrible parents? Or is it a combination I personally think it's a combination, but of course, like, if you're a mother, you're always going to be blaming yourself if your child does something terrible, and a lot of the times, other people are going to be blaming you too, more so than the dad for some reason. Um, it's like the mom's supposed to provide all the maternal warmth to make this kid turn out to, like, be normal and not, you know, to actually have empathy and stuff, um, and it's was just such a disturbingly realistic movie and you know that like for example sue klebold um dylan klebold's mom wrote a book all about it that i've been i've got it on hold at the library and it's about just the aftermath of that whole thing and like how much like utter hate she got from people and it's horrible but it's sort of like just some people's natural instinct is to blame the mom when something goes wrong with their child absolutely also not a feel-good movie <laughs> no well really none of these are it depends on what makes you feel good prevenge is kind of a feel-good movie <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> that's true it's don't definitely don't watch it on a date <laughs> or you know if you're pregnant <laughs> or if you're thinking of becoming pregnant <laughs> Uh, or if you already have kids <laughs> right so if you're a lonely old spinster watch like away us. <laughs> <laughs> um well speaking of maternal fear mm -hmm. one of the best movies best horror movies to come out in the last 10 years is none other than Jennifer Kent's The Duck. oh yeah which is very much about similar things in a different way um the babadook if you haven't seen it like seriously just go watch it i don't mm -hmm. even want to talk to you until you've seen it um, it's very it's very very it's been like one of the most critically acclaimed horror movies of the last 10 years so if you haven't seen it just turn this off and go <laughs> yeah just just get out of here um yeah, uh, the Babadook is, uh, I don't even know how to explain it without, it's, it's about a woman whose son, who has a diff, her husband died, and the, the night she gave birth to her son, her and her son have a difficult relationship, he's what, five? Something like that. Yeah, and, uh, and they find this book, and they end the book maybe causes something supernatural to happen to them or whatever i don't really want to give like a spoiler free like look at that movie because you have yeah, it's pretty like, recent yeah yeah uh, but i mean in order to talk about it fully i have to like 
actually talk about it. And it, it's it's so interesting the way that the film illustrates her um, inability to emotionally connect with her child and the fact that he is picking up on that. But because he's a child, he doesn't know what it is that he's picking up on. So you see from his per- from her perspective how frustrating the day-to-day her day-to-day life is but you can also see that she's not natural with him in a way mm-hmm. in in the way that we might expect her to be and right. um you know it like the whole movie builds up this fantastic metaphor for for grief and yeah. for the way that we can let it just take us over um you know but it's uh it's 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 so intensely about this woman's inner life and her connection or lack thereof with her child and her grief over the death of her husband and her resentment of her son for you know in a way causing it and in a way being like a living reminder but also the only thing that she has left of her mm-hmm. husband and it's just it's such a like beautiful movie and it is absolutely terrifying it is scary Uh, and the kid is also terrifying Mm -hmm. (laughs) like when he's screaming at the top of his lungs you're like okay i'm starting to identify with the mom quite a bit because i'm scared that if i was the mom i'd like be smacking this kid because he's so he's just his screams are like so grating it's like God, that kid is a good actor. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's a great, great child actor, and I hate child actors. Me too. Don't he's we probably all? Probably one of the right, <laughs> <laughs> but he's probably one of the best ones I've ever he seen. He is. I think the movie's also kind of um, an examination of the thing that a lot of women don't talk about enough, or maybe they're they feel like they can't talk about is kind of that. Um, after you uh, give birth, you've got sort of this underlying depression and sometimes sort of like resentment towards your child. But hers is so exacerbated by com- combining with grief that it's sort of a look at like how she's can't really connect with her kid. And she kind of seems like she's getting to the breaking point where she's like just not going to be able to like maintain being his mom anymore or like treating him like her son anymore like as she should be she's like getting to the point where she's like I'm gonna like smack this kid or I just I hate my son you know it's almost like Mm -hmm. getting to that point through a combination of those things and I think that's a lot of women go through that sort of thing but they just feel like they can't talk about it because it makes them look like a bad mother it makes them look like You know, they don't care about their kid, even though they might be trying as much as they can, but it's like some chemical thing going on um, that's just causing them to have all this weird, these weird issues towards their kid. And uh, I thought it was really, I did not enjoy the movie (laughs) because I didn't enjoy it because uh, like they just did, they did too well in their jobs like it wasn't a pleasant movie to watch um but I made it through the whole movie and afterward I was like okay that was like really well put together and it was definitely 
a lot deeper than the average genre film. Um, but it was not a pleasant <laughs> watching experience. Not at all. It I was because it, they also do such a good job of making everything like everything in the movie is unsettling. Everything in the background um, because of the des- because of the monster design, if we can even call it that, every mm-hmm. coat hanging up, every shadow is upsetting and terrifying. And yes, yes. So I watched it again with my girlfriend. Um, I was absolutely terrified by it, and I watched it. Um, I I watched it also with my partner that I live with um, on our. I think it was like one of the first times we ever watched a movie at his house which is where i live now and he's got a big screen tv and we've got surround sound but i didn't know mm-hmm. that it was surround sound and i was sitting near one of the speakers and i didn't realize it and there was like a skittering sound and i thought there was something like knocking on the wall next to me and i Ugh. jumped out of my skin <laughs> i was terrified and then the last time i watched it was i watched it with heidi who i mentioned earlier um, because she is super interested in these films, but also she's not quite as horribly desensitized to horror movies as I am. So mm-hmm. she she really found it like too like too scary to watch on her own. So she came over with her knitting, and we watched it with the lights on. <laughs> and I I provided <laughs> distracting commentary when it got too tense. Nice. But uh, yeah, it's a uh, it's a uh, it's like Hereditary. It's one of the best made horror films in the last 10 years and absolutely one of the scariest. Yes, and absolutely has just so many different layers of meaning. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'll have to give that another watch one of these days when I'm in the right mind frame. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever that means. So the last two that I've got... Um, are Karen Kusama, who did Jennifer's Body and The Invitation. Oh, yes. And the Soska Twins, who did American Mary. Oh, yeah, okay. So, um, I know not everybody loves Jennifer's Body as much as I do, but I (laughs) fucking love that insane film. To me, it was, it's just such a great time because it is so self-conscious of the genre of film that it's in. It's in the teen horror, you know, um, monster, you know, vampire. She's not a vampire, but like that kind of genre. But it's Mm -hmm. so much more than that because it's about female sexuality and female friendship. And plus I just can't remember when I've truly enjoyed Megan Fox's acting other than in this movie (laughs) yeah to me this is like the best megan fox role because she is a mean popular girl but she's also real and then she's a monster but she's still human and because it's megan fox and because she looks the way that she does you kind of automatically want to hate her right you know, and uh, and they do such a good job of like the real juxtaposition between there's like 
the hot girl, and the nerdy best friend. It's Megan Fox and Amanda Seyfried, who is, of course, the Hollywood idea of, like, the plain best friend. I know. She's so ugly. (laughs) Right? And then, you know, there's, like, and she's, one's the bad girl, and one's the good girl, and one's the slut, and one's the, well, a virgin, in quotation marks, virgin in the cabin in the woods sense, where it's like, well, we work with what we've got. You know, <laughs> yeah. she's more innocent, but how it, it it doesn't play into those stereotypes in, in the same way that a lot of other films do. And uh, that it, yeah, it it's just an, it's just a really interesting film. And it, and it also, I, I love, plays with that misogynistic double standard of that men want women to sleep with them and then they judge them when they do. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just so nonsensical, you know, and everybody wants the hot girl, but if you get her, then she's a slut. And Exactly. Yeah. It's, a, it's a fun movie. I personally enjoy it a great deal. I did not love it, but I definitely see it as like a fun movie like it's you know it doesn't take itself too overly serious um it's not gonna i mean i'd say a lot of people could probably watch it even if they don't really watch horror movies a lot because Mm -hmm. it's not like over the top gross or terrifying and there is a lot of um sort of like you're living vicariously through this chick who's literally becoming a man-eater of like shitty men (laughs) (laughs) and it's just so much fun it is and i uh yeah it's definitely megan fox's perfect role um i i haven't really seen her in very many movies but she's not the best actress but she was really good in that role yeah um it was like made for her and um yeah I mean, it's a fun watch. It's definitely another movie that's very much of its time when it came out. It's just, it's, I don't even remember what year it came out, but it totally was just, I couldn't imagine that. Okay. I couldn't imagine that movie coming out in 2019. Like it was very 2009. Um, Karen Kusama, the director, also directed The Invitation, which is a completely different movie, like a radically different movie. Um, It's from 2015. It's with uh, Michael Huseman, who is easy on the eyes. And uh, it's about a man who goes to his ex-wife's dinner party and just insane shit ensues. (laughs) And it has one one of my favorite like final um the like reveal in the final scene i was just like oh that's so cool i've got chills just thinking about it because i i wasn't really thinking about like the i guess overall implications of the what was happening and then when i saw that final shot i was like holy shit and then it ended and i was like damn it it's one of those movies that you're like i want more (laughs) yeah i wanted it to i wanted it to keep going i wanted the sequel to begin right Right. at that end shot you know but we're never gonna get one and that's kind of the point but i I agree i want there to be a sequel but at the same time it probably would not pack as much punch with the sequel um it is a totally such it's 
I actually was, uh, we did an episode talking about Karen Kusama's movies of the Sinister Sisters podcast last year. And I was so surprised learning she did Jennifer's Body and The Invitation because of how incredibly different they are. I mean, they're like <laughs> worlds apart. Um, but I think The Invitation was just, it was like a perfect, a perfect slow burn horror movie. Mm-hmm. It's like perfectly cast. There's like a couple of like great red herrings. Um, there's a lot of weird little creepy things that start happening that you're like, what is, it's kind of like you don't even know what kind of movie you're watching <laughs> until you pretty much get to almost the very end. Um, Cause it doesn't even feel like a horror movie until like pretty far into the movie. Yes, and it's wickedly atmospheric and super tense. It is. It's very... It's, yeah, another one of those that's just, like, one location movie with, like, a pretty small cast. And they really all made it work. Um, I thought the casting was, like, really pretty spot on. Um, And, you know, it's a lot of um, dialogue. It's a dialogue-heavy movie. And uh, just like this, these small things start to happen and you're like trying to figure out like what, what is going to happen? Like what is this going towards? I remember watching it the first time and I am like could not figure out uh, what kind of movie it was going to become, which is really cool when you go see a movie and it's got such a banal name like The Invitation. You're like, okay, well, I guess I'm just along for the ride and... <laughs> It's totally like it totally worth the worth the slowness. Absolutely. Uh well, to finish it off, we've got uh another fun little romp by the Soska twins, the <laughs> Sinister Sisters of Horror. Uh Such a fun movie. <laughs> yep. American Mary 2012 starring uh my future wife Catherine Isabel. <laughs> Um, and, uh, it's a, it's a really interesting movie because it's very much in the, like, rape revenge genre. Yeah. Um, while also managing to be very, very different from the rest of the genre. Uh, she's a medical student. She gets raped by, uh, I want to say a professor. I believe, yeah. I actually yeah. just watched it for the first time, like, uh, within the last year. So. Yeah, because we're going to, whenever we get around to doing our second part of our female villains episode. Um, oh, yeah. We were going to talk about, we were going to talk about American Mary. Um, but yeah, so she gets raped by a professor and she drops out of school and she ends up doing, uh, she ends up doing extreme body modification. And this is like extreme body modification, like a... A pair of twins who want to be conjoined twins and mm-hmm. uh, who are also played by the Soska twins. Yeah. Um, that kind of cool stuff. And then eventually she gets revenge on uh, the man who assaulted her and all that good stuff. But it's a, it's a really interesting film because, yeah, it fits into that rape revenge category. It fits into the female villain category. But only, but both times it's only kind of and the extreme body horror of it but her being 
the perpetrator of the body horror, but also the body horror being not only consensual, but extremely desired by these people, makes yeah. it a very strange and interesting film. It doesn't seem like... It, I, I, I don't know. Are they Canadian or American? Let's find out. To Google... I was going to say, is, uh, it Canadian, seems like it would yeah. be a French movie. Like, I could see that movie coming out of France. Like, it does not, even though it's American Mary, um, it's just, it didn't really fit in. I enjoyed it, but it just, it's unlike pretty much any other movies in any of the genres that it inhabits. Um, and it's definitely very, you know, female, female-dominated, and... Um, I love Catherine Isabel. She's also in their movie, uh, See No Evil 2, which I unfortunately watched, and I would recommend you never watch it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a terrible movie, but I love her. I think she's really good in horror movies. She's a great scream queen. Um, and it was definitely, it was like, there was some, you know, body horror, but it wasn't too... It wasn't too off-putting or uncomfortable as it is in other movies. Um, I don't know why. I don't know why. It was just... I think, like, the tone of the movie was just um, not as horrific as a lot of, like, disturbing movies along the same lines are. If that makes any sense. <laughs> it does. Uh, they're Canadian, which makes sense also because Catherine Isabel is also Canadian. Uh, oh, okay. They're all from Vancouver, which is where I'm also from. Uh, oh. Yep. Uh, basically uh, makes me related. It really doesn't. Um, <laughs> so close. So close to Catherine Isabel. Speaking of Catherine Isabel, though, Ginger Snaps was a movie when I was researching for this podcast. I couldn't believe that Ginger Snaps wasn't directed by a woman. So Right. I know. That's like such a such a like feminist oriented movie that it is very surprising that's not directed by a woman yeah Gen jennifer uh, sorry jennifer ginger snaps to me is like the like one of the feminist horror movies right, right. up there with like may and stuff like that um totally and the yeah Babadook, if you google obviously, and... like feminist movies you're gonna see ginger snaps pop up like right away mm -hmm. i haven't seen that in forever i need to rewatch it you do. I actually, I had never seen the second one, and I watched it recently, and it really is not bad at all. <laughs> That's a such a selling point. <laughs> well, I mean, like, it's a sequel. I always expect horror yeah. sequels to be bad, but it's different from the first one, but it's really good. Um, okay. I'm going to so, write it on my list. <laughs> yeah, some people say it's better, but it's not better. It's, uh, it's just, it's, it's just different. It's got a very itty-bitty Tatiana Maslany in it. Oh, um, okay. I think it was, like, the first thing she was ever in, and she's, like, nine. Oh, um, wow. So she's she's little. But uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's a cool movie. Yeah, I'm really amazed that's not... It's just a man that's very in touch with his feminine side. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Clearly. Yes. And uh, who, yeah, Ginger Snaps is a great film. Uh, if... Uh, if you turned into a werewolf when you hit puberty, this is the movie for you. I just love all those, like, um, sort of puberty-driven uh, horror films. <laughs> it's just an odd little um, 
subgenre, but there are many pretty good ones. Mm-hmm. Including Raw, which um, I have not seen, but is also directed by a woman. And I'm thinking it really fits that it's, you know, directed by a woman. Uh, but I have not seen it because uh, subtitles, I'm usually, like, multitasking. <laughs> yep, that's why I haven't seen it either. Because yeah. uh, I'm, since I work for myself, I'm basically always working. And so I keep putting off all these great movies with subtitles. And I'm like, uh, I'll watch it. I'll get to it later. Someday when I break my arm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have a very long list of uh, foreign films, mostly French. But yeah, so can't recommend that one. But I've heard it's amazing. <laughs> I've heard nothing but good things about it. Yes. Well, that's pretty much all I have. Yep, that's all I have too. And uh, we've been... We've been going at it for a good hour and 15 minutes, so. So if you, if we missed any of your favorite female-directed horror films, let us know. I, there are some big ones that I didn't mention just because they're not my favorite, like Pet Cemetery. But, um, yeah, I'm sure that, I'm sure other people would be confused that we didn't mention that. <laughs> yes. And, yes. Uh, and while I was looking at this, I also found out that Halloween was written by a woman, but not directed by one. So I did not know that. That's yep. good to know. That's cool. Yeah, so uh, feel free to hit us up. Let us know how we failed you. And <laughs> <laughs> we will endeavor to do better in future. Yep. <laughs> or not. I mean, either way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, next time we will be back with more words. Yeah, next we're doing, I think we're doing our, what we're most looking forward to upcoming this year. Yes, that is the plan. <laughs> yeah, that's the plan for next. So I get to talk about Jordan Peele for another hundred years. Another hundred years. Yep. All right. Get ready. Good. Strap in. <laughs> okay. Well, bye guys. And uh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep, yep, yep. Later okay. days.